Hello there, welcome to The Ebon Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news in Knights of the Old Republic. Today we get back to recapping Knights of the Old Republic and bring you to Dantooine. Spoiler alert for the Knights of the Old Republic series and the Star Wars films and TV shows. This is where the Shroud of the Dark Side begins. our recap of KOTOR, we are now hurtling from the destroyed ruins of Terrace to Dantooine. The Ebon Hawk crew lands on Dantooine at the Jedi Enclave. Dantooine, there's not a whole lot of people or urban centers. And what I like about the Enclave is it's not a temple a la Coruscant. It's kind of just a smaller placeholder, it, like a site between, a site off the main hub, you know, and... It's not as grand as the Jedi Temple from Coruscant, but it's still definitely, like, temple-esque, just not on, like, a major, like, metropolis scale that the Coruscant one is. Yeah, it's probably because 2003 graphics really couldn't pull off a good Coruscant. But yeah, Dantooine is probably my favorite planet in KOTOR. The environment is evocative of like African plains and it reminds me a bit of the Midwest too in the United States. After being in a corrupt city, Dantooine feels safe. You get to connect with nature. And I think even the some of the characters say like Dantooine's a great place for mental and spiritual healing. But at the same time, something does kind of feel off. And as the story goes on, it kind of makes sense. But Mission is down after Terrace is destroyed. And she's kind of the face of, like, Terrace's destruction. And I think if you don't have a local to, like, really kind of feel it, you it doesn't hit hard as much. One thing I do find kind of lacking is Bastila's reaction. I think Bastila would feel more guilty after the Sith destroyed Terrace to get to her, so she'd probably be sad or guilty. And speaking of Bastila, she goes to the council to talk about recent developments, and then after she speaks to the council, they want to speak to Revan. And Karth is the one telling this to you. Karth's spider sense is tingling, and when you kind of replay it, the more and more I replay it, I'm kind of like, Karth's paranoia really does make sense to me because he was betrayed by someone he trusted. And people he trusts right now, Bastila, are lying to him, you know? And Revan doesn't know that he's Revan, but... That doesn't change the fact that he's Revan and people are keeping it a secret from him. And then the Jedi Council is made up of Master Zar and then Vrook, who's voiced by the one and only Ed Asner. And then Vandar is voiced by Tom Kane, 
who is a great Star Wars voice actor who I don't think gets enough credit. They should get more. And Dorak. I kind of think that Atris should be here because I feel like she would totally be down for, like, shady stuff like wiping a Sith Lord's identity. And I think the Council... It's kind of just a whole lot of guys. I think they need at least a girl on there just for variety's sake. But some KOTOR 2 masters like Kavar, Zezkael, and Vash are on Coruscant on the High Council. So that's where they are. When you meet the Council, there's a lot of similarities between the Dantooine Council and the Coruscant Council from the Phantom Menace. It's another one of those like Easter egg placeholders of like calling back to the the visual Star Wars material to the video game. They could have had a bit more variety with Vandar, but it is interesting to see what a Yoda would look like in 2003 Bioware graphics. So, And I guess you we have to remember, we'll probably talk about this later, but when Knights of the Old Republic was in development, Attack of the Clones wasn't out yet. The Phantom Menace was the first stories film that had come out in recent memory, so they really had to kind of go along with what the Phantom Menace and the original trilogy established, even though they were 4,000 years before that. Bastila wants to get the protagonist trained, and Vrook is like, are you certain that Revan is dead? And... For people paying attention, you'd kind of be like, what does that mean? You know, that sounds suspicious. Revan's totally dead. What do you mean? And I was reading the Knights of the Old Republic book by Alex Kane, and in the book they said that the writer of the game says a good twist is a good twist if about 10% of the people can predict the twist. Because you don't want it to be too obvious, but you don't want it to come out of nowhere. And I think they did a, a pretty good amount of foreshadowing throughout the game, if you go back and kind of think about it. And I think that they did a good job with the revelation vision after Malik tells you the truth. But yeah, um, Bastila and Revan go on to share a vision or a dream of Revan and Malik taking their first steps into the dark side, finding a star map behind, like, a sealed archway in the ruins on Dantooine. And what I noticed is the star map kind of looks like a star forge. So it's a kind of cool design. And one thing I was kind of thinking about is, like, maybe each star map can be unlocked in kind of a more epic way. And each way could be different, just so it's not repeated each time. And I know that's how it happens in the game, but in a in a movie you definitely want to make the way you find a star map as iconic and as visually cool as possible. Or change the focus, kind of like what we were talking about, to have the focus be more on the, on like the, the architectural ruins, uh, which would yeah. point to like the the main or like the star map, which would then take it to the star forge. Because 
I don't know. I'm, I think for me personally, I'm a little over it for like treasure hunting for four pieces that are basically the same thing to then take you somewhere else. Yeah. I am kind of thinking though, like each star map and like where you find the star map could look different. Like maybe one kind of has more of an aquatic theme and like is kind of focused on like the tide or something. And then on Kashik, it's kind of more about like life or something and just like they each look different like artists could have a fun field day coming up with like ways to kind of make them look recadden but look different and be fun i think so bastila and revan share that vision and it, they can each kind of sense each other's presence in the dream and in the next episode we'll talk about how we would visualize a force bond and we'll have some of your responses on how to do that because i think it does take some thinking but i think it can be simple but in a movie you don't want to tell you want to show people what's happening and i think there are some parallels with ray and kylo in episodes eight and nine so We'll get to that. Then there's kind of like a montage. And Revan is learning as a student. He's learning really quickly. And everyone just kind of goes on and on about fate. You know, if there's any coincidences or if things are going your way. It's just the will of the force. It's fate, you know. But in the montage, there are vibroblades. In the season two of the Mandalorian premiere recap, I forgot to mention that the Gamorreans had vibroblades. So, yeah. So at least they're canon, you know, in the current Star Wars canon. So They've that's always great. kind of been canon because like that, that, like in Return of the Jedi, you can see vibroblades. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, the with the technology at the time, though, it was more or less limited on how they showed it. But... Yeah, those Gamorrean guards still kind of always uh, wielded those. I guess we just didn't see what they were capable of. They could have just been blades, but now we're for sure seeing Vibra blades. Mm -hmm. So, and then Revan goes on to meditate and study, and Bastla is there, kind of working with him, and he's only been there like a few weeks as a Padawan, but he's really kind of excelling and I kind of just wonder like even though his memory is wiped like would there be muscle and force memory like what do you think Coden? well I would want more than just just recalling and excelling everything uh I would like to see some form of like unlock process I guess you could say with his with his mind to the force and then well yeah I, I just think that like a character that already excels at things isn't really that fun to follow and like just watch on screen and so yeah. i would just want more um development and even even if we see a little bit of that up into the point of dantooine i'd still want to see a lot of um recalling to what had happened in the past and then 
using that to help unlock his potential at the temple later. Yeah. In the montage, he does, like, take some hits. But then he he kind of starts with vibroblades, and he gets kind of hit a bit, but then he kind of fights and is able to take some hits and kind of deliver some blows. So, I mean, you do see some growth, but I it think would it would be cool to be... see some, like, some sparring sessions between Revan and Bastila. Yeah. Kind of using her as a, like, a mentor figure for kind of, like, retraining the Force and, uh, and you know, what lightsaber combat, things like that. I mean, you could even just be like, here's a move that took me forever, like, at a certain point, and then it's like, he kind of gets it in a few tries, and it's like, oh, crap, like, maybe we didn't wipe the memory as much as we thought we did. Or, like, maybe they have, like, a the Jedi Padawans on Dantooine kind of have a hazing ritual, like, on the sparring mat, then it's like, wait, like, how did he know about that? And just be like, uh, what's going on? You know, and then Bastil's like, ah, that's a really cool coincidence. You know, the will of force just works like that. So don't question it. There's some there's, accidental force lightning. I don't know. That would be dumb in my humble opinion. But <laughs> yeah. Not like it's so, been done before. Montages are great. There's ways to do it, kind of spice things up, you know, and... It would be fun to see people train because especially like in a temple, like a temple enclave setting, because I mean, we've seen we've seen Luke train a bit like on Dagobah and on the Millennium Falcon, not much else. And then Anakin, we kind of don't really see him train in the temple. It's kind of you kind of just have that 10 years and it's, it, like, goes from him as a 10-year-old, and then he's hitting on Padme as a 20-year-old, you know? And You do see the yeah. the younglings in Attack of the Clones um, yeah. with the, under the instruction of Yoda a little bit. It would just be cool to see more training. So that could be a fun opportunity. And one of the things they teach you is the Jedi Code. I can't quite remember the origin of the Jedi Code. It might be from a comic or something, or from, like, a novelization. I'll double-check that. But the Jedi Code is there is no emotion, there is peace, there is no ignorance, there is knowledge, there is no passion, there is serenity, there is no chaos, there is harmony, there is no death, there is the Force. And fast-forward a bit to our Korriban episode, but... The Sith Code was invented for Knights of the Old Republic, and some people are like, yeah, I find the Sith Code really inspiring, and I'm like, that's great, and when I say great, I mean not great, because how the writer came up with it, he's like, I'll just read some speeches by Hitler, so I can really kind of tap into, like, that evilness, you know, in that mentality of, like, selfishness. And then I'll create the Sith Code. And that's kind of how he was able to write it. And then I think a lot of people don't know that. And I'm like, uh, maybe let's not tattoo the Sith Code to yourself, you know? But yeah. <laughs> and then coming up quickly, it'll be our next topic. 
we will discuss what class, what kind of Jedi class Revan should be in a movie. Because there is Jedi Guardian, Consular, and Sentinel. And the reason there are different Jedi classes is so that there's lore reasons behind the different lightsaber colors. Because Lucasfilm at the time was like, we can approve blue, green, and red lightsaber colors. End of list. And, I mean, when you're designing a game, you want to have choices of lightsaber colors. So they're like, if we can create, like, a really good lore reason, I'm sure Lucasfilm can get behind it and we can get more lightsaber colors in the game. And this kind of does make sense with, even if you incorporate the movies, like, Jedi Guardians are kind of more about strength and valor and fighting skills and consulars are about like wisdom negotiation and working on the force powers and sentinels are kind of about finding a balance and all that um and then jedi guardians typically have blue lightsabers jedi consulars have green and sentinels have yellow so then they were able to incorporate more colors and then I think there's also like, there's also purple and there's also orange in the game. In Knights of the Old Republic 2, you get more colors. And nowadays, it's like if you think it, it's a lightsaber color now. And we even have a dark saber. So it's a, it's a different time. In a future episode, we'll kind of talk about like how they could maybe differentiate the... Guardians, Consulars, and Sentinels, and some High Republic concept art. But I I just want to say I don't want it to be, like, Divergent or, like, Hogwarts houses. Just kind of, like, some subtle differentiations, you know? But Revan's canonical lightsaber is purple. So it kind of tells the player Revan can be anything and the way he's kind of written you can really kind of think he was anything but I kind of think in an adaptation you really do need to see Revan create a lightsaber because we've never really on screen seen in live action someone create a lightsaber I mean, there's been some Clone Wars episodes, and they're great. And there is a deleted scene where Luke finishes a lightsaber. But I think this would be a good opportunity to, like, really give a great capstone to a good training montage. And I kind of think his new hilt could be a hybrid of his Jedi and Sith saber. What do you think it should look like? Well, if they stick to more of like the Legends version of building a lightsaber, I think it would definitely work with having a, a hybrid or close to one or the other for his lightsaber hilt. Um, because you're kind of in a more or less a like an unconscious or, or dream state when you're when you're constructing that lightsaber. And so it would it would make sense to build something quite similar. Uh, if it's yeah. if they went with more of like a canon approach then, uh, you know, it could wind up being anything. Like, whatever's yeah. laying around in the temple drawers at the time or something. Well, I mean, if you watch the Clone Wars and Fallen Order, it seems to 
go along with legends pretty well. Like, it's kind of more like a vision is how they construct it. I just think Revan's lightsaber would definitely be purple. As kind of initiate on Dantooine, maybe it's like his lightsaber kind of looks like design-wise between, somewhere between his Jedi saber, like with the Star Forge on it, and his red Sith saber that looks like Qui-Gon's. Even though I had kind of switch, I think, the the red blade to like the Star Forge-y one. And then, like, the Jedi one to kind of the Qui-Gon style one. So maybe, like, you could have something in between those two designs. So yeah. I would I would more expect, like, if they went with more of a legend, uh, legends lore or lightsaber, the Amethyst Crystal is unique to, like, a single location, and they use it as, like, a, um, as, like, a reward, kind of like a, a, like, the Nobel Peace Prize, for example. And, uh, and that's how Mace Windu ends up getting his in the legend lore. And so it's curious on how Revan gets the Amethyst Crystal um, originally, because it's possible that he did end up picking it up on that same planet. But I don't I don't know any of that lore. I don't... got that crystal for how they yeah. decided to put it for KOTOR. But, like, I would rather him not get another purple crystal in KOTOR as... Like, if we were to keep it more on the legend side of things, it's not something that's readily available. Oh, I would just be like, I don't even know if that's in the new canon. And probably only a few people still remember that. So I would just be like, purple is Revan's color because it can be anything. And I think they would want to have more people have purple lightsabers in the future. So, I would just be like, Revan can have a purple lightsaber, and it doesn't mean everyone and their dog will end up getting one, but I think it would make sense to have him keep a purple blade, because in every iteration of, like, Jedi Revan and even, like, Sith Revan, when he's dual-wielding, he has a purple blade, so... Yeah, I don't think it would make sense to change that to go along with, like, old canon that might not even be canon anymore about uh, Mace Windu's Purple Blade. And then, before we conclude our Dantooine recap for this episode, the Jedi Council gives you a test after you construct your lightsaber. They want you to go to the Ancient Groves in the southeast corner from the temple because Master Quattro is injured and the dark side has been sensed there. And we'll go over the source of that in the next episode. And yeah. And then uh, before we move on to what Jedi class we think Revan would be, I just wanted to say that we're thankful for everyone who listens and subscribes and shares our podcast. And we just want to say we know that there are more Knights of the Older Public fans out there. And we know there's a whole lot of Legends fans out there. And we know there's a whole lot of Star Wars fans who would love our podcast. And 
the way we can reach more of them is for you to continue to subscribe and listen and share our podcast with your friends because we can't reach everyone, but with all of our listeners, I, I know we can reach more of them and kind of share the KOTOR love and together we can achieve a great many things. And as always, we're, we're just thankful and may the force be with you. All right. We asked our listeners, what Jedi class is Revan? And 60% said Guardian, 13% said Jedi Consular, and 27% said Jedi Sentinel. Coden, uh, what do you think Revan is? So I'm pretty sure he's a, a Jedi Consular. Um, the reason for it is, I mean, like, he is a very skilled, um, like, duelist, but at the same time, he spends a lot of um, study on kind of, like, all aspects of the Force and which is kind of what initially leads him down the path that he took before kind of the events of KOTOR. A lot of Jedi that kind of go down that path tend to be counselors, and so I think it just makes the most sense that he too was a, a counselor before. Yeah. I like these results more because it's there's a lot more variety because usually it would just be 90% one thing, um, so it's kind of just cool to see some different numbers all over the place, but I honestly think that he's he was probably a Jedi Consular, kind of tied with Jedi Guardian, but the way he is written, I think he... I think it was intentional, the way he was written is you can hear things about him and you can be like, oh, I think he was a Sentinel, or oh, I think he was a Consular, or oh, I think he was a Jedi Guardian, but... The way Kreia describes him in KOTOR 2 is like looking at him was like looking into the heart of the Force. So while he was a good warrior and a good duelist and a good tactician, I think he was more about understanding and using the Force and he used the Force to probably amplify his fighting abilities and I mean, he could also work on droids like HK-47, but I definitely think he was a consular as well. Ironic.Design said, I say Guardian. He was pretty gung-ho to lead an army against the Mandos and then have the mentality to continue that war with the Republic and then to lead another charge during his redemption on Malak and the Sith. He charges a lot. What do you think of that comment? I mean, that's also true. I mean, I think... With consulars kind of supporting the the consular idea is that you know their their major study is the force where guardians study is a lot of like hand to hand combat. I don't think it's out of place to say that Revan would have been a good guardian. I just think that it fits better as a consular. I mean, you have you have Jedi like Yoda who are incredible duelists, but they rely so much on the force to get them there. Yeah. And so, but I mean, I think between all three roles, there, there's, I mean, you can definitely blur them all together, um, especially from Guardian to Consular and then Consular to Sentinel. I don't really think so much Sentinel to Guardian, but um, as far as like the, the line between those three and more or less that order, 
I, I think from what you earlier said, you, you can kind of see Revan uh, in a lot of different ways, but I think Guardian or Consular are both very valid responses. Galactic Artwork said, I think Revan was likely a Consular given his thirst for knowledge, and I mean, that's probably true. Like, I think his curiosity kind of took him down some interesting paths on the light and the dark side but what do you think no i mean i i agree with this um revan yeah. revan did have a thirst for knowledge of the force and that's very consistent with the consular and, and blue milk you know so yeah. i agree and then the, this is probably the winner for most interesting at name you know a uh, confused pooper yeah, that's a, that's a fun name, but they say, I say Sentinel. He's the definition of balance, Jedi to Darth to Jedi. Plus, he cared about real-world issues, hence why he entered the Mandalorian War against the Jedi Order's commands. He is extremely skilled with the saber, and is one of the only other Jedi strong enough in the Force to use Darth Treya's Force Saber ability. So, there is a lot of variety, so... The only thing that I have an issue with with this statement is the comment that he's like, well, that a sentinel is balanced between Jedi and, and or dark Jedi and Sith. And that's, I mean, when with a sentinel, sentinels are very concerned about like what's going on locally and just keeping peace to where, essentially where they're stationed. And so like for them to be very involved in a civil war makes a lot of sense but as far as a like an interstellar war like the mandalorian war was is definitely more of a place for a guardian or consular in my opinion yeah because we do see jedi sentinels like jedi temple guards in the clone wars and rebels they have yellow sabers and it's kind of like it was jury duty to do to defend the Jedi Temple. Because I think it was kind of... A lot of the traditions with Jedi Sentinels were lost through the ages. Just the general lore of the Sentinel is that they they tend to be assigned to a location and they stay there. And yeah. so we, we definitely see Sentinels at Coruscant. That's, uh, that's... I mean, that's in a lot of Star Wars lore. But in... In some of like the background, especially like Legends lore, typically Guardians or Consulars, they go out to planets to meet with a Sentinel at, um, among also the rest of the local government. But they, they kind of have that Sentinel as a liaison between them as the Coruscant representatives to the local government. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how they do it in KOTOR. I mean, it does kind of make sense that Bastila, if she was kind of assigned to, like, do these different assignments for the council, that it would kind of make sense because she's a sentinel. But, but yeah, sentinels are kind of more connected to the day-to-day -day and maybe not doing as grand of things as, like, Yoda and Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know? But... It would be interesting to see if Jedi Sentinels could have some different, like, real-world 
specialities. I just said that like you and McGregor, but specialities. You know? I would I would actually kind of support Basil as a as a Sentinel because I think the best training for a Sentinel is to go out with a guardian or counselor to to deal with kind of localized issues, and so yeah. they like they they always have the home base of a temple, but they they go out and work on these localized issues uh, with you know with this um, with this liaison. And then eventually they would then get assigned to a location. They already kind of know what their role is, what their responsibility is. Maybe they have a second secondary apprenticeship to an actual Sentinel that's already been posted. Yeah. So like, yeah, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense for Basler to remain a Sentinel. Yeah. And I think it would kind of, we'll get to this uh, in our next topic too, but like, I think it would make it easier for the Jedi Council to kind of tell her what to do and her to go along with it, kind of without thinking about it. But it would be interesting to see, like, Jedi Sentinels kind of have different specialities. Like, maybe one is like, I'm going to kind of learn how to do Jedi CSI or something, or I'm going to kind of learn these different skills to kind of like be connected more with like the real world side of the galaxy rather than just like worrying about the force or like lightsaber dueling techniques you know so and kind of one of my theories for like why Bastila is a sentinel it would be because I think that she's kind of more connected with her father who is like a treasure hunter and I think, like, a Sentinel would kind of have more of those skills and maybe she kind of grew up, like, kind of learning different skills like that and she kind of wanted to hold on to it. But that's just kind of my speculation. So so I, I'm not sure if it was ever completely canon what Revan was, but that's what we thought. For our last topic, we asked our listeners, there are contradicting sources, in your opinion, in the first KOTOR, is Bastila a Padawan or a Jedi Knight? And 33% said Padawan, and 67% said Jedi Knight. And I just want to say we were so close to executing Order 66, but then we weren't. Just one order over. Yeah, I think actually Order 67 was to replace a corrupt Chancellor with another Chancellor. So, in old legends. But. Um, it was, it was either 65 or 67, which was actually to execute the uh, um, Senator. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I don't know if Palpatine actually put in an order to execute himself. Yeah, maybe it was in case, like, Palpatine got replaced, and then he could just be like, execute order 65. And then he's like, oh, I guess I was vice chancellor, so I guess I'm back, you know. But anyways, back to Bastila. 
Ironic.designs responded to this question and said, I'm pretty sure the council refers to her as a Padawan often. Anyone like Karth or non-Jedi that may refer to her as a knight, I felt is just the assumption of title and not fully understanding the Jedi stage systems. Although it does seem odd that a Padawan would be given so much freedom and importance on unsupervised missions and treated her like a knight. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, this is pretty tough because, I mean, in, uh, you know, again, pulling from legends here, uh, Padawans don't leave temple at all. Um, they have to be a apprentice or a or above. And so, like, for her to be a Padawan seems more like a derogatory um, term from the council uh, because I think... I do believe that she's actually a knight, but maybe kind of like a kind of in between promotion type scenario. But at the same time, she had to have been an apprentice first before becoming a knight. And so, like, did she, did she, was she a, an apprentice on Dantooine the whole time or what ended up happening there? Because typically, like, if a, it, again, pulling from legends, if, a Padawan doesn't become an apprentice by the age of 13, then they end up just being... Becoming a farmer. Well, th that was kind of what Obi-Wan was afraid of. Um, but typically they end up just being a servant at the... Well, not a servant, but like a paid, a paid worker at the Jedi Temple. For example, like a cook or a janitor, something along those lines. But, but yeah, they wouldn't be... A Jedi if they weren't accepted as an apprentice after the age of 13. I mean, maybe she was an apprentice with a lot of leeway, but yeah. again, still still uh, kind of referred to as Padawan. Yeah, I mean, Anakin was able to go on an unsupervised mission, and that was a big deal. But when the Clone Wars hit, you would see Ahsoka sometimes go on some solo missions, and I think that was just kind of like wartime exceptions so i'm sure like they were both apprentices so well technically anakin was a knight in the clone wars tv show yeah but but ahsoka was definitely an apprentice and i think she was referred i think they mixed up the term padawan in there but she's absolutely an apprentice in that show i mean i can talk about the jedi stages after this comment but the next comment is from Astrodroid, and he said, I think maybe something not quite at night level, but she may be fairly well ranked, being highly skilled with her force ability and being chosen to lead the team to capture Revan and Malik. So I guess, like, what's your response to that? And then I can respond. Uh, I mean, there aren't very many ranks in the Jedi Order. And so if she wasn't a knight, she was either going to be a apprentice or a master. And she definitely wasn't a master. So um, I'm, I'm pretty confident on, on the rank of apprentice with Bastila. So keep in mind, Attack of the Clones kind of solidified the Jedi stages a bit more. And... It, this came out before Attack of the Clones came out, so I think there was some confusion and Lucasfilm kind of didn't really elaborate on it to them. 
But I definitely see Bastila as a Padawan still. And I've always just kind of seen the Jedi stages as Padawan. And you don't become a knight until you graduate from being a Padawan. And then when you are a master, I think that means that you've successfully trained someone or you've completed some of the different trials. But I think that Bastila, because she's a prodigy, she's kind of like an honor student Padawan. Because I think in some of the writing, she could be poised, but she could also be snippy. But I think in an adaptation, like like I've said before, I think you'd want to age up Bastila a bit, like kind of to the age that Obi-Wan was in The Phantom Menace, which is 25, because... I think the original writer had her be 18 or 19, and Revan was 38, so I'm like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. We're not going down that road, because that's a weird road, you know? So, I would age Basla up and age Revan down, in my humble opinion, and I think it would make more sense that she feels held back if she is older, and... Maybe she just doesn't have to act so much like a teenager, you know? And that's what I think, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, also, I I, I don't, I need to read this Count Dooku book, but I'm pretty sure that Count Dooku technically was in a similar boat that Basila was, where Yoda was on the council as master and probably would send Dooku out on errands as an apprentice and then later night and so yeah but i again Do- i think Dooku jedi lost it, it's an interesting book mm-hmm. because yoda's still the grand master but he was still dooku's master so i mean it takes quite a circumstance for a member of the council to leave coruscant and that's something that became more frequent during the clone wars um, but prior to the Clone Wars, they tended to just stay at the temple unless they, there was like a very, very necessary circumstance. And so it makes a lot of sense to have, well, if if Dooku's role was similar to Bastila's, where maybe Bastila's master was localized on Dantooine and they w- would send her out to, you know, do whatever task they needed her to do. Again, as, yeah. again, as an apprentice, but... You know, again, I think there there could be um, a lot of lack of respect there, uh, especially because her role is pretty similar to Anakin's. And so for yeah. them to refer her to her as Padawan makes some sense. Yeah. I mean, I think the Jedi Council does kind of keep her a Padawan just because she has battle meditation and it's kind of easier to keep her under control. And... I think there is a deleted scene where they run into Nemo and and Nemo responds to Bastila and says, does your master still dump water on you when you misbehave? And Bastila's like, ha! So you, you don't quite know who her master is, but I kind of wonder if once like some battle meditation manifested itself that the Jedi Council on Dantooine is like, we're going to adopt you as our collective padawan so you're easier to kind of control and so it helps our war effort so 
I think she's like a Padawan with a lot of responsibility and I think she's given some free reign on some of these assignments, but I think that she really wants to be a knight and I think if they would have if they would have like had her not lie about who Revan is and like kind of helped kind of believed in her more, I don't think she would have fallen to the dark side. Maybe Padawan braids don't quite exist 4,000 years before, you know, Anakin, but I think she's definitely a Padawan, but like an honor student Padawan. And Obi-Wan had his, his, uh, his braid um, as Qui-Gon's apprentice. So. Yeah, and then he looked, you know, well, everyone jokes that Obi-Wan resembles Jesus in Attack of the Clones, so yeah. you can assume that he got rid of his braid, you know, because he was knighted. Yeah, but in the future, we will look at how to visualize the Force Bond and battle meditation, and we will fancast Juhani. So you have that to look forward to, but you can find us on Instagram at the Ebon Hawk Podcast. And the Ebon Hawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out immensely. And our email is ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com. And you're welcome to email us your questions and business inquiries there. And then if you want to talk to me, you can find me on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter just by searching Code and Bond. Uh, if you want to talk to me in more of a conversational type, find me on Twitch. Those are usually Thursday evenings. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shoreman. He can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker, and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com. This has been the Ebon Hawk Podcast. May the Force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.